My Govanen, welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel, I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this video I'm going to be responding to a video from another channel who's not really a Tolkien-based channel, in fact, the guy whose name is Zach Evans, at least according to his channel name, says that his main job is like reenacting and jousting, which sounds like the coolest job ever, but he responded to my video which I did a while back on Theoden and comparing movie Theoden to book Theoden. And he takes the position that movie Theoden is actually great, and there's nothing wrong with the way that he's portrayed, and it doesn't have to do so much with the fact that it's not true to the book. He's just taking the position that for a movie in that medium, as opposed to a longer book, you know, story, this version of Theoden is perfectly fine, and the way he has done is more realistic. I'm going to address his points one by one. Uh, I will just say his channel is significantly smaller than mine. I'm not responding to it just because like, I feel the need to defend my every point. But there were people agreeing with him in his comments who may or may not have seen my video. But also, since my video from last week was on Northern Courage and that has a lot to do with Theoden because Theoden is kind of like the example of that it seemed to me kind of appropriate to revisit this issue and clarify some of my points so that it's, A, kind of bouncing off of that same idea of Northern Courage, which was so important to Tolkien, and why I think Thaden's character is important as it's supposed to be in the book. And also just to point out, you know, some of the ways in which I think he's misinterpreting my stance on why movie Thaden is not really a great character. So, and again, a lot of this is opinion. Like, I just don't like whiny Theoden. That's not to say that whiny Theoden is completely unrealistic, but I think that there are unrealistic parts about whiny movie Theoden. So, we'll touch on those as we get to them, but let's start taking a look at his points, and I will respond in kind. Of course, his, his video will be linked in the description below if you want to watch it and get the full version. I'm just going to kind of summarize his points as best I can here. His first one is that he's responding to my argument that movie Theoden makes really terrible tactical choices. And he says that, well, actually, it's a good idea to go to Helm's Deep and hole up there because then you can withstand, you know, a huge army and then later go out and go attack Isengard when you're in a better position to do so, and he also mentions in this vein that Theoden in the movie doesn't know how big the Urukai army is, and therefore we can't really take that into consideration when assessing his his actions. On that last point, I would say, yeah, that's true. He doesn't know how big the Urukai army is, but it's precisely because he doesn't know that it makes more sense to attack in the open field with a cavalry charge, it's it's only when the numbers start getting overwhelming that, tactically speaking, it makes more sense to hold up in a fortress. Because if the armies are roughly the same size and you have cavalry and they don't, you're probably going to win. <laughs> I mean, that's just the nature of medieval warfare. Uh, so I, I don't know how the fact that Theoden doesn't know this in the movie is supposed to change things. In fact, it's in the book, the reason they end up going to Helm's Deep is because they eventually encounter enough people and information along the way to realize how outnumbered they are and the fact that the forces that 
they were supposed to be reinforcing at the Fords of Eisen have been defeated and routed already, that makes it much more practical to go to Helm's Deep and stay there. So the book actually makes this all work out in a perfectly logical way. But the real issue here, I think, is not so much that, but that is a point, a part of it. But the main thing that I was trying to get at tactically was it doesn't make sense to bring all your civilians and your pretty small army in the direction of going toward your enemy to go to Helm's Deep when you could retreat away from your enemy with your civilians and your army if you really just want to hold up in Dunharrow, which is further away from Isengard than even Edoras is, and is arguably even more defensive because it doesn't rely on walls, which could theoretically be scaled or breached. It relies on the fact that the approach to Dunharrow is a single winding road up a cliff face, <laughs> which means all you have to do is wait up there with archers and people who can drop heavy things, and it would be virtually impossible for that to ever be taken. So, and and the thing is, there's... I don't think he made a specific point about this, but there was one guy arguing in the comment section with me, at least, who was saying that Dunharrow doesn't exist in the book, in the movie. Well, yes, it does. It doesn't come up in the Two Towers, but it, it is in The Return of the King. It's where they muster the Rohirrim before riding to Minas Tirith. This is where they go to do that, so we know Dunharrow exists. More to the point, we can figure out where it is on the map, because at a point in Frodo and Sam's storyline where they are the guests, let's say, of Faramir. Faramir is talking with one of his other rangers, and they're looking at a map of Rohan and Gondor, and they're talking about Rohan, and they scan over it, so we can see the relative positions, even if only briefly, of Helm's Deep, Edoras, Isengard, and the relative positions of these make it clear that it's kind of stupid to be moving towards Helm's Deep, when that is also towards Isengard, and therefore towards the Urukai army, whose size is unknown, so that they can, you know, try to hold up in a fortress when they have another fortress that's further away. Theoden's stated purpose is to avoid more death to his people. If he wants to do that, the best way to avoid that risk is to move away from the enemy army towards Dunharrow. I should acknowledge here that the map doesn't actually show the position of Dunharrow, but it does make clear that Helm's Deep is toward Isengard from Edoras. And given that the Rohirrim muster at Dunharrow in preparation to go to Minas Tirith, it seems pretty obvious that it would have to be closer to Minas Tirith than Edoras. Otherwise, why go in the opposite direction of the direction you're going to go when you eventually go to Minas Tirith? So logically speaking, Dunharrow almost has to be in the opposite direction of Helm's Deep. The final point on this is he says that the reason it's smart is to hold up in Helm's Deep and then you can attack Isengard later. But Theoden explicitly states that that is not his purpose. He says, I will not risk open war, I will not risk further death to my people, and he also says that in these walls we will outlast them. You know, we can re resow our crops and rebuild our homes later. He's not planning to attack Isengard, ever. That is not his plan. He is merely trying to withstand the attack by holding up 
and potentially being under siege, which he seems to be under the impression that there's not going to be a siege, that they're just going to go rampage through Rohan, tear it up, and then leave. Which, I don't know of an army that's ever done that in history, and I'm sure there's never been one that did it in Middle-earth history either. The whole point of attacking in an army is to destroy the opponent and defeat them, not merely to go in and wreck their homesteads and then go away and say, okay, you can have the wrecked land back. That's not really how that usually works. And this is where my my final point on the tactics of it was, Theoden, tactically speaking, is not thinking about anything like a war. I mean, this is, this is why I get so mad at Theoden when he says, you know, when last I looked... Theoden, not Aragorn, was king of Rohan, because he's responding to Aragorn's remark, open wars upon you whether you would risk it or not. What Aragorn is saying is quite literally, obviously true. It's the fact that Saruman has tacitly declared war on Rohan by attacking it, and is going to continue attacking it, and therefore it's a war whether you want it to be one or not. I mean... You could call it just a bunch of raids, or you could call it whatever you want to call it, but the fact of the matter is, there's a war. Theoden seems to be in this delusional state of, it's not going to be a war, it's just a bunch of orcs, and they're just going to you know, run through pillage and do nothing, and then we'll just come out whenever they're gone and rebuild everything. Well, assuming for sake of argument that that's what the Urukai were going to do, wouldn't they then just come and re-wreck your homesteads after you rebuilt them, if that was their purpose? But more to the point, it's kind of silly to think that that's all they're planning to do. Why would you assume that they're going through Rohan, destroying all these villages, and then they're not going to lay siege to you in Helm's Deep? Because the last thing they want is an army of horse riders, you know, running on their tail as they're going around doing all this stuff. It just, none of... Theoden's ideas about how this is going to play out make any sense at all. And that was my point about the tactics. It's like, tactically speaking, it's not necessarily bad to be in a fortress. The tactics he's, the tactical bad decisions he's making are the fact that he's assuming it's not going to be a siege. He's assuming that he's going to be able to get to Helm's Deep first when he could just go to Dunharrow and make it safer. These are the kind of decisions I'm talking about. Like, being in a fortress per se is not the problem. It's the the reasons he chooses to do it and the direction he moves in. So that's why I say movie Theoden tactically makes some really, really dumb decisions. Next, he argues that, you know, the reason he's not just automatically following Aragorn's and Gandalf's advice is because he doesn't really know or trust them well enough to know that they have his best interest at heart. And he brings up a, a interesting point in the movie, which is a really nice touch cinematically, which is, you know, we constantly see Wormtongue kind of leaning on the arm of his throne, and then when Gandalf is trying to convince him to ride out and, you know, meet the Urukai head on, he puts his hand on the arm of that throne too, and Theoden kind of throws a side eye at it like, I've seen this before, and so it's, he's kind of distrusting him because he's already in a state of like, who can I actually trust? That's all well and good, but my point here, and this goes back to what I said earlier about Aragorn's remark about open wars upon you, whether you would risk it or not, my point here is not so much that he's refusing to follow good advice, it's the fact that the advice comes in the form of, this is the obvious fact on the ground. Aragorn is pointing out, 
you've already got open war. Like, you can't deny that. It's already there. You're not going to escape it by just putting your head in the sand, which is what Theoden is doing. Gandalf is making the argument, you know, you should go out and attack them and lead them away from your women and children. That is also kind of an obviously smart thing to do. It's not advice. It's you shouldn't be moving your women and children towards the threat, which is threatening your women and children. We already know it's threatening his women and children because we've already seen two kids ride away and tell them that like a whole village of women and children and men, of course, was sacked by Urukai. We know that they're out to kill its peop- the, the people as well as burn the villages. So... Gandalf, what he's saying is obviously true, given what we know within the context of the movie. Theoden just doesn't want to see it. It's not that he doesn't want to follow Gandalf's advice so much. It's that he doesn't want to recognize the underlying fact, which is open and obvious to everybody. Literally anybody who knows what Theoden knows at this point would recognize the fact that yeah, they're out to, you know, kill our people, wreck our, you know, lives and everything else and just make Rohan a wasteland if they can. So when Gandalf says, lead them away from your women and children, he is giving the obviously good advice of, okay, if their target is to attack the people who are defenseless, lead them away from those people who are defenseless and then you can, you know, at least save them and engage them in battle elsewhere, which is why sending the civilians to Dunharrow, which is what he does in the book, with Eowyn at their head, was the smart move, and which is why taking them all to Helm's Deep with his army, which is too small to, you know, do much of anything, because, I mean, at the end of the day, we get Legolas's remark, there's only 300 of the Rohirrim in Helm's Deep. 300 is nothing in the scheme of things. Like, even in a medieval scale, any kind of a battle of any size would have much more than 300 men on one side. Now, you wouldn't have tons and tons of casualties on one side. Usually one side just routes before a total victory happens. But the point is, 300 is a very small contingent. That's not like a full-scale battle. So the fact that he's only got 300 guys, if he's expecting there to be anything like an army of Urukai out there, it's going to be too small of a force to defend all the civilians he's got with him, who, by the way, are slowing down the army because they're all traveling on foot and pulling wagons. You know, again, back to the bad tactical decisions. But the point here is, Gandalf's advice is good precisely because we know the facts on the ground, and Theoden is just not willing to recognize that. So again, my point here is not, he's just wary of accepting advice. That, in and of itself, I could understand. It's the fact that the advice is based on something which he just seems to refuse to recognize. His next point is in response to my argument that Theoden in the movie just on a dime seems to change his mind about whether he's going to help Gondor. And Zach Evans makes the argument that, well, no, he didn't just change his mind. It's just that he was basically, prior to this, all of his comments were geared towards more of, you know, I'm in charge and I'm going to make the decision that I think is right when it comes to it. I don't think that reading of or interpretation of what Theoden is doing in the movie is really plausible. And the reason I say that is the things that we've already heard him say make it pretty clear he has no intention of helping Gondor because he feels like he's been betrayed by Gondor because he tells Aragorn 
you know, well, what he tells Gandalf is, why should we come to the aid of those who did not come to ours? Theoden earlier on tells Aragorn in Helm's Deep, you know, who will come if we send for aid? Elves, dwarves, you know, we're not so lucky in our friends as you. And, and Aragorn says, Gondor will answer. And Theoden says, Gondor, where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Where was Gondor when our enemies closed in around us? Where was, you know, he goes off on this kind of mini rant. And it's clear that he feels betrayed by Gondor. Now, if you're in a position of feeling betrayed by your longtime ally in your hour of direst need, are you going to be in a mood to help them out whenever, you know, the, the situation is A, pretty hopeless, and B, you're also being told to help them by the very people that Zac Evans says he doesn't necessarily trust anyway because Gandalf and Aragorn don't necessarily have his best interest at heart, or at least he doesn't have any reason to think so. So here, it's like his, his own logic kind of breaks down here. Has he really fully accepted Aragorn and Gandalf as good advice givers at this point? It's not really clear that he has uh, from from that kind of a perspective. But more to the point here, it's like, whenever I say that he changed his mind on a dime, it's because we have this background where Theoden is saying, Gondor has betrayed me, they have not sent any aid, even though they should have, because we're their allies, and therefore, when he says to Gandalf, why should we come to the aid of those who did not come to ours, he means, I'm not going to help them, they didn't help me, I'm going to look out for myself. Now, eventually, he does turn this around, obviously, because when the beacons are lit and Aragorn comes in and announces this fact, he says, and Rohan will answer. And it's supposed to be this nice stirring moment. It's only a stirring moment because we were in doubt as to whether he was going to do it. But it wasn't really a doubt. It was like, if you didn't know the actual story and you don't have like any sense for how movies and stories tend to be told, right, then you would assume that Theoden's just going to say, so what, Aragorn? I've already made my decision. That's the way that that logically would have played out in anybody's head. It's only in doubt, because we as Tolkien readers know how the story goes. Theoden does ride to Minas Tirith. And because people who aren't Tolkien readers would at least have enough, probably, in their own reading and other movie or storytelling background to recognize that, yeah, we know this is going to happen eventually because that's just how stories go. But if this was a real-life scenario where you were talking to somebody and they were, you know, in a position where they were saying that after all that had just happened, would you actually trust the person in a real-life scenario to say what he says to Aragorn in that moment that they will answer? I wouldn't. I would tend to assume, and in fact, it always struck me as weird that Aragorn even bothers to run at full speed and wear himself out to get to you know, Theoden, so that he can tell him the beacons are lit. It's like, why rush it? We already know where he's at mentally. He's probably not going <laughs> to... Uh, but this idea that he doesn't change his mind, he's just trying to, you know, make sure that he's going to make the decision on his own and in the way that he thinks is best. Nothing he ever says in the movies up to this point gives any indication that that's what he's thinking. Everything he has said up to this point is giving us the signal that he is opposed to helping Gondor because they did not help him. It's I just don't see where you can 
plausibly interpret what he does here as making a final decision after having never really thought about it until, you know, just waiting for the moment so that he could make the right decision in the moment. Like, I, it just, nothing about this makes that work, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think that that's a plausible interpretation of what's going on here. So, again, I think it's pretty clear that in this moment, Theoden is literally just changing his mind on a dime. And you can tell, kind of, because the way everybody looks at him whenever Aragorn makes his announcement is like, okay, well, I mean, like, what are we doing then? And everybody is, the way the music, the way everything builds the tension in this scene is basically a way of building to the moment of we expect him to say no, but then when he says yes, it's like, oh, yeah, it all turns out okay. The movie expects you to have that kind of reaction because it's already set up the background of this is unlikely. So, again, I just don't see that reading, Zach Evans's reading of this, as being plausible. Another minor point related to this is, and I think this is what part of what Zach Evans is missing, is that one of my complaints here is not even entirely just about Theoden's decision-making. It's also about the fact, and this is something I pointed out in my original video, and, you know, if he doesn't want to respond to this particular point, that's fine, but I think it is worth noting that the reason I find Theoden's character so pathetic in the movie is because in connection with this specific point, he is whining to Aragorn earlier in Helm's Deep about Gondor not helping, and he's whining about the same thing to Gandalf when he says, why should we come to the aid of those who didn't come to ours, when he decided not to send for aid. It's like, you know, what we don't, what we know as viewers is that Faramir knows somehow about the conflict going on in Rohan with Isengard. We don't know how he knows that. In the book, there's no particular reason to know that anybody would know that other than Denethor. Denethor knows this because he has a Palantir, and we figure that out later. It's not clear that he would have known this. Gandalf, when he arrives in Minas Tirith, is like, don't you want to know about this, this, this that just happened in Rohan? And Denethor's like, I already know enough about that for my own purposes. And we're all like, we're supposed to be shocked as readers. Like, how does he know this? And then we find out he has a Palantir and everything's explained. There's no reason why they should know this in the movies. All of this is happening at more or less the same time. How is Faramir on the far eastern frontier of Gondor getting this news of what's going on all the way over in the western end of Rohan in effectively instant, you know, it's like it, they don't have telephones, so it's not clear how that information is supposed to spread. But the point is, we as moviegoers know that Faramir knows this, but there's no reason that Theoden would assume that Gondor knows what's happening in Rohan, and he doesn't send anybody to tell them. In fact, he sends everybody the other direction, towards Helm's Deep, and therefore towards Isengard. So how is Gondor going to know this? How is Gondor supposed to come to their aid if they don't know that they have a need for it? And so, again, my one of my biggest complaints about Theoden in this regard was not even so much the fact that he changes his mind on a dime. It's also the fact that he is constantly whining about problems that he creates for himself, which Denethor does too. Denethor, you know, he's like, we're not going to light the beacons. And then when Thaden doesn't show up. He's like, Thaden's betrayed me. It's like, you didn't even want to light the beacons. You, 
I mean, Denethor is the same problem as Theoden in, in this particular respect. But my overall point here is Theoden not only changes his mind on a dime, the reason why he had the other position of I'm not going to help them is because he was so upset about them not helping him when he specifically refuses to tell Aragorn he, he tells Aragorn that he's specifically not going to send for help on the basis that Gondor hasn't already helped them which we don't have any reason to think that they would know that they needed to so again the it's the, like the background underlying stuff that is so inconsistent in Theoden's character to me, and this is why I don't like movie Theoden as a character. He's got so many issues where he just has really bad logic breakdowns. So again, that's just a it's kind of a related point, not directly addressed in Zach Evans's video, but it it touches on it, and it's why I think movie Theoden's character is so not good. And now we're going to move into Zach Evans's final kind of points, which really touch on this aspect of it a bit more. So Zach Evans makes the argument that movie Theoden is more realistic because he has doubts and this is better in a movie medium than in a, you know, where you could have book Theoden because he says that Lord of the Rings is a saga and that makes it kind of work better in the book for Theoden to be this just awesome hero and all this stuff. I'm not sure why the medium makes really a big difference here because Captain America in the early Marvel movies with Captain America is kind of like who I think book Theoden is. He's like always making the right decision regardless. And to me, Captain America was one of the best characters in the early Marvel movies. I love those movies more than pretty much all the rest of them. So, especially like Captain America, First Avenger, and Captain America, The Winter Soldier, those two I think were the best of all the first three phases of Marvel. Uh, but the fact that you can do that shows that you can have that kind of character in a movie and it doesn't break down. It doesn't like, none of this seems unrealistic. And it's like, oh, but Captain America is a super, you know, whatever. It's like, well, yeah, but he's also facing insurmountable odds, even as a super soldier. <laughs> like that, that doesn't affect the analysis really. At the end of the day, anyway, that that's the point about you know whether it's realistic or not, and the medium. I don't think it's unrealistic at all. There are people; they tend to be rare, and I will give him that. You know, it's like it's very rare that you will come across a person who is so uncompromising on their principles that they will always do the right thing even in the face of very serious doubts. That's a rare quality. But that's kind of the point of storytelling, is to exemplify those rare qualities and give us a example so that we can try to live up to that example. That is part of the value of storytelling, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, whether it's a play, it doesn't matter. You know, like, the reason we tell ourselves stories so is partly so that we can imbibe the cultural values of our own culture and really tell ourselves how we're supposed to be. Theoden in the movie is not doing that. He's doing the exact opposite. He's telling us how we should not be. <laughs> uh, but going to back to the main point of Theoden having doubts, Theoden has doubts in the book, too. Aragorn has doubts in the book. Everybody has doubts at some point in this story. And my 
complaint is not that Theoden has doubt, per se. It's the fact that he just lets, you know, the negativity just absolutely cripple him. Now, Zach makes the argument that, you know, the hit what happened to him with Saruman and all this has just left him really emotionally and psychologically messed up. And that's fine. You know, you could make that argument that after being basically possessed by Saruman, who is a Maya and much more powerful than a human, you know, that could leave scars on your mind or whatever, which, sure, okay, but the that doesn't mean that Theoden has to be so mentally and, and courageously decrepit that he's just going to refuse to accept reality. Because again, my point goes back mainly to his refusal to accept the facts on the ground that we know, not just as the moviegoers, but Aragorn, Gandalf, Theoden, they all know these facts. And so Theoden, when he is in this position of just being a complete, you know, he wants to just give up and all this other stuff, critical scene, which is very different from the movie to the book, Theoden, in the book, tells Aragorn, I'm not going to die in here like a badger in a trap. We're going to ride out and we're going to fight him. And Aragorn says, I'll ride with you. In the movie, this whole thing switches and is flipped on its head because Peter Jackson has Aragorn say, you know, Theoden's like, what can men do against such reckless hate? And he's just giving up. And Aragorn says, ride out with me and meet them. And suddenly this just rouses Theoden for reasons completely unknown. Uh, but... This goes back to why I think this video is worth doing as a response in light of the fact that I just did my video on Northern Courage last week. And, you know, I, I didn't save this for last for that reason. This just happens to be the last point in Zach Evans's video, but it works out. Uh, my video on Northern Courage last week points out that in the story, Theoden is kind of the main example of that attribute, that virtue, if you will, in the Lord of the Rings, or even all of Tolkien's stories. Theoden is kind of like that guy. And so whenever we change that in the movie, and Theoden is kind of a, just a whiny, almost, you know, just despairing, I don't want to say coward, because he's not exactly a coward, but he certainly just doesn't seem like he has any kind of gumption to really get up and do what has to be done when it comes down to it. Like, the least little thing will just absolutely crush him. In the book, he has his doubts. At one point, he will tell Aragorn, you know, Gandalf's advice doesn't seem so good right now. And Aragorn tells him, don't judge Gandalf's advice until it's all over. And so we know that Theoden in the moment is having these kinds of doubts, but Theoden in the, in the book has doubts, but he still just carries on and does what he has to do because that is who he is, that is who his people is, that is the culture of Rohan, Northern European courage, like, you know, the Norse believing that, well, we're going to go and fight in Ragnarok and we're all going to die, but, you know, <laughs> we're still going to do it anyway. And, you know, in, in the movie, Theoden does come around to this, because when Aragorn leaves for the Baths of the Dead, somebody says, you know, he's leaving because he knows we cannot defeat the forces of Mordor, and Theoden says, no, we cannot, but we will meet them in battle, nonetheless. It's like, this is such a great moment, because he's gonna, you know, we're gonna do the right thing, even though it's hopeless. It's like, well, where was that Theoden all this time? And again, like, this is, my point in my original Theoden video was not, you know, Peter Jackson committed a crime by taking Northern Courage out of the movie, 
which was so important to Tolkien, but you could make that argument. Like, the one of the key things in this story is that theme playing out in various ways, and so taking that out and completely upending it and making Theoden have to learn to kind of get there rather than that just being part of the Rohiric culture is kind of a crime against Tolkien in a sense. That was not my point originally, but I think it's worth pointing out again in in response to this video since I just did my video on Northern Courage. It's like, this is part of the reason why it's so important if you know Tolkien's whole thought process on this and you understand what he was really trying to do in a lot of his writings it's really sad to see that lost in the movies because that's a big thing of what he valued in his own story. It's the reason why the charge at the Pelennor Fields is such a big deal because there again, we see even in the book, Thaden has doubts. He gets there, and this is one of the best written scenes in the entire thing. He gets there, he sees the siege, he just kind of like slumps down on his horse as if he's totally defeated. And then the big flash happens when the, the gates are you know, burst open by Grand, and then he suddenly stands erect, and, like, life just comes back to him, and we get the wind out of the south, and suddenly, it's like, nope, it's on, we're gonna go, we're gonna charge, and, I mean, just, I could go back and read that scene just by itself over and over, it's so good, but we see Thaden having doubts in the story, you know, and it's not that there's something wrong with him having doubts, the problem is the fact that he lets his doubts just absolutely cripple him in the movie. I mean, it's just like, he never he never does anything that makes sense. He never does anything that, you know, really seems to be geared at, you know, we have this problem, but we're just going to face it as best we can. It's always like, nope, we're just going to stick our heads in the sand and hope everything turns out all right. That's really bad approach to being a king in a country that's at war. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That doesn't work. It really doesn't. The Northern Courage thing is kind of important to Tolkien, and it's kind of important to Theoden, even in a tactical sense, because at the end of the day, it is precisely the ability to go out and face your enemy and have that kind of morale that actually ends up turning battles. Like I said earlier, battles tended not to be lost because one side was wiped out. It's because one side lost morale and was routed. That tends to be the way those kind of battles ended. Now, there could be battles with more casualties than others, but that's just a general rule. So the fact that you could go into battle like Theoden does at the Pelennor Fields and just like go blood-crazy berserk you know, with the battle lust that will break an enemy line even if you have smaller numbers because it just seems like you're invincible and you don't care. And this is, again, part of the way the Rohirrim are supposed to be. But even apart from that, just on the the more realistic edge of it, it's like the fact that he is not engaging in this kind of northern courage thinking in the context of the movie itself, it still doesn't work very well because... It's not, like I said, inherently more un- unrealistic for him to be like Book Theoden. That's not unrealistic. And I pointed out in my original video that, you know, Theoden has these doubts. It's not like he's just this perfect paragon of we're always just going to do the right thing and I never have any doubts about anything. He clearly does, and I mentioned that. 
So it's not about a realism thing, and it's not about comparing them in the respect, it's not about comparing book and movie theater in, in the sense of which one has doubts and which one doesn't. They both have doubts. The difference is that movie theater just has a crippling doubt about practically everything until right up at the very end where he's decided to go to Minas Tirith, and then it's kind of all on, and now he's fine. Well, where did that come from? His... <laughs> He has no character arc to get us there. He's just kind of got... You could argue the success at Helm's Deep kind of rejuvenated his you know, sense of confidence in himself or something. But I mean, you don't argue on the one hand that all of the, you know, the, the mental slavery that he was in with Saruman possessing him on the one hand totally crippled him. And then on the other hand say that he could just totally get over it after one battle. That doesn't work. I mean... You have to take one or the other. You cannot have your cake and eat it too in this respect. So again, I think that it's just really not that consistent when you say, oh, well, Theoden, you know, it's more realistic. He's just got doubts and it's because of all this other stuff. But then why is he such a hero at the last minute? Where did this heroism come from? It's like, <laughs> how did he just suddenly, and again, going back to that scene where Aragorn tells him in the movie, ride out with me, ride out and meet them. Why does that suddenly stir him into, you know, heroism? Why? Like, is he just reminding him of who he should be and this is what solves the problem? It's like, that's what it took? Just this one line from Aragorn and then everything would have been fine? Like, it, he refused to see reality all the way up until this point in the movie and then it's just like, we're all doomed, they're going to wipe out all of mankind, it's hopeless, what can we do? Right out and meet them and die anyway. Okay. Well, like, really? <laughs> Again, if you have that background of that's who we are, but Thaden has displayed none of that in the movie up to that point. And so it doesn't make any sense for him to suddenly develop this massive sense of northern courage at the last minute. It doesn't work. It just, it's just the, the, disconnect is just too big there, I think. So, anyway, that's my response to Zach Evans's critique and his defense of movie theater. And I, If you like movie theater, that's fine. I don't like him. I think he's kind of a sniveling, whiny baby. But, you know, if you, if you like that character, fine. I mean, I was giving my opinion on that. Zach Evans is entitled to his opinion, but what I think neither of us is entitled to is to just kind of make up things that aren't in the book, and I think Zach Evans does, I mean, in the movie, and Zach Evans does that a little bit when he talks about, like, holding up in Helm's Deep and then attacking Isengard. That's not what he's planning to do. <laughs> we know that's not what he's planning to do. Uh, and, you know, this kind of stuff. Like, there are facts in the movie that are just there, and you cannot use facts that aren't in the movie to support things that are in the movie, or things that are directly contradicted in the movie, indeed, to support what's in the movie like we have to go with what the storyteller gives us and what the storyteller gives us still doesn't make movie theoden a viable character in my opinion so those are my thoughts and again this to me is kind of important because of that northern courage thing this was a big deal to tolkien if you know you may not agree you may not care much about that and so you may find movie theoden perfectly fine and like who really cares about Tolkien's views on Northern Courage, 
you know, that that's your prerogative. But I think if we're going to give, you know, some credence and some, you know, respect to Tolkien and what he was trying to do, that's an important aspect of it. And I think we ought to recognize that. So if you enjoyed this, please do give it a thumbs up, share it around. Don't go and trash Zach Evans in his comment section on this, because like I said, if he likes movie theater, that's fine. If you're going to go and debate anybody over there, try to keep it civil. Uh, I'm not trying to beat up on a smaller channel, so don't don't go do that. Uh, but do you know? Do give mine a, sh- a like and a share if you enjoyed it. Subscribe if you want to catch more of my content in the future on YouTube. Click that bell icon to make sure you don't miss any notifications. You can find my Twitter and other social links in the description below. And Twitter, I will drop Tolkien-related trivia questions on a regular basis. You can also find my alternate platform links and support links below as well. Till next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namarie. Thanks to all my channel supporters, especially Elf Friends, P.A. Brew News, Nathan Dufour, and Paul Leone.